0: All right, so we're back again to lean into what does it look like to trust God in the midst of chaos, yeah. right? Where is Jesus in the midst of it? We're still in Genesis. Sure. Um, so what did we make it through last week? 13?
1: Uh, we got through a little further into the Abraham okay. narrative. So we covered uh, about Genesis 12 through 22. Okay. kind of the, That's the main section of right. Abraham.
0: And now we're... Now we're just gonna sort of plow through Genesis. Yeah,
1: and it's intentional because I think when we're thinking about just we're following Jesus, yeah, you know, where is Jesus in this? Genesis is one of those very foundational texts okay. into just understanding, you know, the Jewish worldview and everything that God is up to yeah. in the world. So we're not gonna do this with every yeah. sort of book. We're not of the gonna the go Bible. through every book. I'm like, oh my yeah, gosh, we're Iranian gonna be in Leviticus here forever. forever. Yeah, forever. Yeah, totally, yeah, yeah.
0: But it's sort of like maybe like if you think even about a house and the way a house is constructed, like yeah. you don't see the foundation. Totally. But it's really important. Oh. So you see the walls, you see the windows, you think, oh, I want to remodel, you know, I want to make it cuter, whatever. Yeah. Um, but actually the foundation is incredibly important to yeah. the rest of the house. And Genesis totally. functions like that for the Bible.
1: 100%. Yeah. Genesis and even the early, the Exodus story we'll get into in a couple of weeks yeah. here. Those two are kind of like the the bedrock, if you will, for what constantly just keeps repeating throughout yeah. the Old Testament. The themes that you see in Genesis and Exodus just kind of go on repeat. So just Um, like you
0: don't want to rush through doing a foundation, like this corner is good. Yeah. Right. But then the house tips. Sure. Exactly. This actually provides a baseline for how we understand Jesus.
1: Exactly. And how
0: we understand trust as we look at it in the New Testament. Exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. So
1: that's kind of the the big idea reason why we're kind of taking this approach through that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And then as we are looking at the text itself, you know, we've talked about Abraham a few of the stories there kind of on last week's uh, yeah. sort of discussion time. I want to just kind of quickly sort of highlight just continuing on with Abraham and into some of the generations that follow. And then maybe we can just kind of have a deeper conversation in particular on the Joseph narratives oh, yeah. that come at the end of the book of Genesis. Yeah, sounds um, good. So that's kind of the lay, of, lay of the land, yeah. so to speak. But, you know, kind of looking at the notes here. And again, if I encourage you guys, if you're listening to this, you know, the notes, we've emailed yeah. those out, kind of grab those. Um, but kind of just a quick overview here of Genesis 12 through 50, which is basically the the big second half section of the book of Genesis, again, what covers mostly Abraham's life, but then also the generations that follow kind of the key things that keep coming up is God is faithful. God is Mm -hmm. faithful. God is faithful. Abraham has his ups and downs. Um, but then what's interesting is a lot of these, uh, cycles of Abraham's faithfulness and unfaithfulness. That gets repeated in his in his son Isaac, and then in his mm. son Jacob as well. And so I have this small little section on six point one point two in the notes yeah. called the comedy of errors. Okay, um, that's not original language to me, but th- the point is is that no matter how many times God shows Himself to be faithful yeah. or reiterates His promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, those yeah. are the three successive yeah, yeah. generations in Genesis. It always seems like the The characters in Genesis are like trying to find a way to mess uh, things up, right? Just they're, yeah. but they just do kind of human stuff, yeah. if you will, right? So Abraham gives his wife away not once but twice. Yeah, there's all this conflict between Abraham and Lot. We've talked about yeah. that. There's the Hagar incident on multiple occasions in Genesis 16, and then also in Genesis 21. Yeah. Isaac gives his wife away, Rebecca, yeah. just like his father, just did. like his dad. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the family pattern yeah. sort of thing. There's a bunch we could talk about with that. Uh, Jacob, uh, he steals a blessing and there's mm-hmm. this kind of weird yeah, story with, with Jacob Esau. and Esau. Yeah. Jacob's name uh, means deceiver. Wow. Uh, and so, and Jacob also, this is you know, fun fact. Jacob, when he's being, when he's born, yeah. he's grabbing the heel yeah. of his brother. And you think about earlier in the book of Genesis, who is the first quote heel grabber? Well, it's the snake, right? Uh, the snake is biting the heel huh. of the snake crusher, and so there's this interesting thing that's happening. You're not to say that Jacob's like Satan or anything yeah. like that, but it kind of foreshadows Jacob's deception and, wow. de- and kind of Jacob's role in yeah. the story. Is he's not all that great of a guy yeah. in the story? Yet again, the the major the theme. God is faithful God is throughout faithful. that process, exactly.
0: So as even the chaos, the comedy of errors, is yeah. sort of. Going about, right? God is faithful through that process, even as people are deceiving, even as people are following in the sinful footsteps of their parents. Exactly. God is faithful. God
1: is faithful through this whole entire process. So this becomes just this huge anchoring point. And so, you know, I would just encourage people, if you can, read a lot of these narratives and just see like, the, you know, there's the honesty of these narratives, yeah. you know, a, a lot of these old Testament stories, we kind of prop these characters yeah. up as like heroes. But when the you faith. dig in, it's yeah.
0: like, man, these guys are a lot more like me or worse than exactly. me than I thought. Yeah,
1: and, yeah. Then the, and then you see God's just amazing faithfulness huh. in this. And it's, I think it just, it's awe inspiring and it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, so as the story progresses with yeah. the family of Abraham, you have Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, those are kind of the three main generations, but then the story really uh, kind of surprisingly, I would say slows down on this character of Joseph. Hmm. And so from Genesis 37 through basically the end of the book. So, yeah. I mean, that's a lot, 13 chapters. That's yeah. a lot of airtime, if you will, yeah. for basically one character and his family, yeah. one generation. And so I think anytime you kind of see that sort of slowing yeah. down in the biblical it means narrative, something. It means something. There's there's important things to sort of draw out there yeah. um, in in the story. So that's kind of one of the things I wanted to to do in this okay. sort of time here is just kind of work through. Obviously, can't say everything, but work through uh, sort of the Joseph Joseph story. Yeah, so, awesome. Yeah. So you have the Joseph narrative again. It starts in Genesis 37, right? And so it begins with Joseph. He's also oftentimes I've found kind of depicted as like this, you know, amazing, you know, wise, just sure. great character. At the end of his life. Yeah, at the end In of the his... In the
0: beginning, th- like, it would be hard to be his brother. Exactly. Let's be yeah, honest. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if you read... He's kind of the- narcissistic. He's kind of like showing off. He's yeah. kind of like, oh, I had this dream. Yeah, yeah. totally.
1: He's a little <laughs> like, you kind of wonder like... Are you just socially aware of kind of like <laughs> your actions? You know, like if you've ever kind of been around people, you're like, you're not
0: the most yeah. you know fun to yeah. be around. Yeah, it makes sense that you were not that well liked.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Maybe
0: not thrown into a pit. Exactly. But like, yeah, yeah. I don't want to you
1: know validate the actions of his brothers, yeah. but because what we're referring to here is he has this kind of hot-headed, arrogant attitude yeah. because his father Jacob has favored him yeah. and has given him this sort of royal robe, this coat of many colors is mm-hmm. kind of, the, you know, the children's yeah. Bibles all yeah. have it. And it, it's like this symbol of kind of favoritism, mm. which I think there's an error on Jacob's part there yeah. that we could, you know, flesh out a little bit. Sure. But kind of what it comes down to is there is this tremendous amount of jealousy on the part of Joseph's yeah. brothers yeah. that happened in the narrative. And so what happens is Joseph, Joseph's brothers they kind of have this interchange and they're kind of debating on what exactly should we do? Should we kill him? Should we, you yeah. know, sell him, whatever. They yeah. end up selling him and Joseph ends up going to Egypt. Yep. Now, I want to kind of zoom in here a little bit just to look at the, the coat or the garment mm-hmm. of Joseph because it kind of paints this sort of literary picture and it kind of gives some, I guess, depth and meaning into what is happening in Joseph's life. Huh. And it kind of shows... Uh, the pattern or the transformation that, that is going to happen in Joseph's life. Okay. Kind of following this theme of Joseph's coat or his garment. So we've mentioned that Joseph, the Joseph story in Genesis 37 starts with this coat of many colors. Yeah. You know, he's arrogant, all that um, sort of stuff. And that's the beginning of the, the Joseph narrative. But kind of on the, the notes here, on if you guys are following along with the notes, I have this diagram that kind of shows on 7.1 and following... Um, how Joseph's kind of garment or his coat has this beautiful pattern. Now, Hmm. I want to actually, sorry, I want to pause real quick here because I want to mention two kind of quick facts um, about the Joseph narrative. Joseph, before I get into this coat thing, Joseph is the first character in the Bible where God shows what is often translated in English Bibles, steadfast love. Uh, so it's this uh, word, hesed. hesed. Exactly. Yeah. It's the the covenant love of God. I know that God. word. There you go. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. We, well, we talk about it a lot. Well, it's
0: hard to translate into English. Exactly.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because that's one of the, the beautiful things about this word. It's like the English word love yeah. is a little bit limiting. So you have like steadfast love or faithfulness yeah. or everlasting kindness, all these yeah. different ways of Attempts trying to capture at getting attempt at this at word. getting at yeah. this word it's because it's rich. this beautiful, deep, rich yeah. word to express God's covenant, loyal love to his people. And the first character where that love is described from God to Hmm. another human by God himself through the text is in the Joseph narrative. And so it's, and Joseph's one who's going to go through this tremendous kind of trial, detour, wilderness sort of experience. And it's in that moment, Joseph is encountering the chesed, the covenant love of God. Joseph is also the first character in scripture where the spirit of God is said, Joseph is said to have the spirit of God, where the, you know, when we think about in the New Testament language, the Holy Spirit is empowering Joseph. And so it's in Joseph's sort of exile when he ends up in Egypt, the text says that Joseph is filled with the spirit of God. Hmm. And I think it's just, I I say those things because it's the Joseph narrative is not all, especially if you're Joseph, all this kind of rosy, easygoing sort of life. Hardly. It's a terrible set of circumstances if you're Joseph. And it's this uh, kind of, I, I think of it as like a detour or this major transition or this yeah. major sort of pivot yeah. that Joseph is kind of forced into, albeit because of his brothers. Yeah. And it's in the, that moment that he encounters God's presence over and over in the Joseph narrative. It says yeah. God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. Hmm. Jo, uh, Joseph experiences the chesed, the covenant love of God yeah. over and over again. And then Joseph is filled with the spirit of God wow. as he is basically becomes like the vice president, if you will, yeah. of Pretty Egypt. Pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah. So From he like just,
0: slave to essentially like the, the manager of the... Egyptian estate exactly totally yeah.
1: yeah so there's all all those sorts of things are just kind of looming in the the narrative as you read yeah. from Genesis thirty seven four now back to where I was going back to coats back to the coats okay. right so now so now we're, now now we're ready for the coats coat. I'm
0: back to my like image in my brain of the children's Bible yeah okay back so to the coats. coats so
1: there's there's actually a very Uh, I don't know what the word is, maybe sophisticated might be too big of a word there, but there's this very, uh, that's definitely not in the kid's Bible, not in the kid's Bible, but there is work with me here. The very sophisticated thing happening with um, the coats because, or the the garment in Genesis 37, again, Joseph has these, again, there's this chart that shows the dissension and then the ascension, if you will, of Joseph in Genesis 37, Joseph has these two dreams Mm -hmm. as a ruler and he's by his father, he's been given this coat of many colors. This the language is also can be a, a royal, a royal robe. Tongue twister there. Okay. And so, but at that moment, Joseph is full of arrogance. He's kind of hot headed. Sure. He's not who he's going to end up being yeah, yeah. by the end of the story. Um, but then, as you kind of go through the story, the next time this idea of a garment or a, a coat appears is in Genesis 39. So just a few chapters later, wow. Joseph has found himself in Egypt at this point. Yeah. Joseph is becoming semi-successful. He's huh. working hard. Yeah. But there's this moment where he has this encounter with what's uh, the character of Potiphar's wife.
0: Yeah. What's so her name? Is there a name actually, given?
1: That's a good question. I don't think, I don't think, there, I don't think she's yeah. actually named. It's just, I've, I've always just heard of Potiphar's yeah, wife. The, I don't know. Maybe someone, yeah. if you're listening to this, you can let yeah. us know. Uh, but it's interesting because in the story of Potiphar's wife, Joseph is kind of uh, in this spot of temptation. Yeah. And there's this whole moment where Potiphar's wife says, "Come lay with me, come yeah. come to bed with me," and Joseph turns and flees. Yeah. But then uh, it says that his the Potiphar's wife took his garment. He held huh. it, had Joseph's yeah. garment still in his hands. Wow. And So it's actually it's well. And
0: in, in, in Genesis 37, didn't they take his garment exactly, and throw him into a pit? Right. Exactly. So he's given the garment. His garment's taken. Now it's taken. It another garment another time is taken by Potiphar's wife
1: totally yeah that's so crazy. that's yeah it's a good good reminder cuz in the earlier right yeah. the the brothers they take joseph's garment they dip it in blood and they kind of yeah. deceive his father yeah. jacob yeah. that like a lion or some beast exactly. has eaten yeah, him yeah, yeah. totally yeah so both of these instances uh joseph is you know he's not doing anything wrong especially in the the potiphar's wife scene yeah. this is a beautiful moment of fleeing you know yeah. sexual temptation that whole sort sure. of example there but what ends up happening is joseph has essentially now been framed yeah. And he gets thrown into prison yeah. for a number of years. He's thrown years. in a
0: pit. Now he's thrown into prison. Yeah. And yeah. so th- Rough.
1: at least if, and from Joseph's perspective, your life is spiraling yeah. down, right? Yeah. This is not, not a good spot to be. So in Genesis 39 and into chapter 40, Joseph finds himself in prison. He has a few instances where he's able to interpret a few dreams. Yeah. And he he tells uh, yeah. one of the people that is going to be released, hey, remember me? Yeah. you know, remember that like yeah. what we had going the on baker here. Or something. I think it's the baker. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so, but he, Joseph is actually ends up being forgotten. Yeah. and this becomes kind of like the low point yeah. for Joseph. He's and he's stuck already in had dreams at the yes, beginning, Yes, right? Exactly. So he had
0: dreams at the beginning that he like sort of shows off with. Now he has dreams again, or interprets someone else's dreams. dreams. They abandon him. He's in prison. He's at the low point.
1: Totally. Yeah. Because this is where Joseph, he has like this gift or this ability from God to be yeah. able to interpret dreams. He kind of arrogantly abuses that, if yeah. you will, in the beginning totally. where he's telling his brothers, you yeah. guys are all going to bow down and worship yeah. me. But he's actually right, isn't he? He's right. He's right. But there's <laughs> it's one of those things where you can be right in the yeah. wrong way totally. and it yeah. just comes off yeah. very off-putting. Not pudding. very good. Yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. 100%. So you have Joseph uh, kind of back into the narrative here, yeah. Genesis thirty nine and forty. He's in the pit, in prison. Yeah. You know, if you're at this moment in the story, this is the low point. Like, yeah. You know, it's totally. easy for us in retrospect to see, okay, it's all going to turn out good, but just kind of immerse yourself in the narrative. Yeah. This is the low point for Joseph. Um, but eventually, Genesis forty one, Joseph gets lifted up out of prison. Mm-hmm. So he's even the the imagery of being thrown into a pit, kind of uh, visually, at least in our heads, yeah. should help us think about that descent going lower sure. and lower into yeah. like a literal pit and also just kind of metaphorically yeah. as well. But Joseph is lifted from the pit. Mm. I think that's also, and if you want to get really geeky, it's a lot of the language from the Psalms. He has lifted mm. me from the pit and set my feet upon a rock. All of these yeah. echoes are just blending together here. Okay. Um, Joseph is able to now interpret some dreams for the Pharaoh, yeah. kind of predicting the the, the pending famine yeah, or the, yeah. the pending season of a of, of bounty. Yeah. And then the pending the seven, years yeah, the seven, seven years, years yeah. The seven years, and there's that exchange there. Um, and in that moment, Joseph is given yeah. some new garments wow. again. And it's this, it's kind of highlighting, okay, there's there's this shift that's been happening in Joseph, where now yeah. he's not using his like uh ability is maybe kind of the wrong word. Yeah, but it's it's now he's he's serving other people. Yeah, the gifts it.
0: that God gave him at the beginning, he sort of used in a way that like created division exactly. between him and his brothers. Now he's using those gifts to serve uh, this nation.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah. In, a, in a in a moment of crisis, or yeah. at least in a moment at this point in the narrative of, of pending crisis.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but then later on, as the, the story progresses... Joseph then is finally officially elevated to that sort of vice president sort of role, and he's given a whole new set of garments again as kind of like a ceremony or this moment of of recognition of here's Joseph, the pharaoh says. You know, people are going to come to him. He's going to administer how to steward these resources in this moment of of crisis, and here's Joseph now sort of kind of at the pinnacle, if you will, at least in sort of this part of the narrative of kind of this whole shift that's happened wow. in his life. That's so, awesome. yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see just kind of how tracing this, yeah. this small little dreams and the road, the dreams and the robes, the and and the robes. Yeah. has led to this moment cool. of sort of transformation um, in Joseph. Now, what I want to kind of just focus in on a little bit here is that seeing the Joseph narrative can be sort of like a case study in sort of navigating detours and moments of like deep transition huh. in our lives. What do you mean? So like if you think about Joseph, right? He's on this he's you know with his his family. He's with Jacob his father, his brothers. Yeah. His life at least in his mind is going a certain direction. Okay. Everything that is that happens yeah. that we have in scripture at least from the perspective of Joseph, like, is not on his radar.
0: Yeah, he's gonna, he's feeling like, I'm gonna rock this, yeah. I'm my I'm the favorite son. My favorite son, yeah. like I'm i am in an awesome spot.
1: I'm good to go, yeah. and out of the blue, at least from his mind, he gets sold into slavery, yeah. he gets you know basically framed for something he did not do, yeah. he gets thrown into prison, and life just seems to be just falling apart. Yeah. Just this huge moment of like a detour, a, a transition moment that has to happen but what what's beautiful about the joseph story is it shows us the work that god often and can do in mm. those moments of s- sudden change yeah. of at least from our perspective yeah. surprise change yeah. and the transformation that god in the moments that god wants to meet us in those to yeah. bring about uh transformation wow you know i think the last thing joseph probably expected was to ever end up in Egypt. yeah. And the last thing he probably ended up expecting was to being kind of the, the head leader to save the world in a moment of global yeah. crisis. Totally. But God met him in that, in that journey. Again, throughout the Joseph narrative, especially mm-hmm. early on in Genesis 39, it talks about how the Lord was with Joseph. Mm-hmm. And I always find that striking and interesting because at the moment where... God reiterates His presence with Joseph mm-hmm. is in a moment of crisis, and mm-hmm. the moment where God reminds Joseph, or the text reminds us of God's presence with yeah. Joseph, is in this moment, not where he's all comfortable, you know, with his father and he's the favored son, yeah, yeah. but in a moment where the story drastically shifts. Wow. And you know, it's not like a a perfectly clean, you know, parallel to necessarily our day. Like we're yeah. not being sold into slavery no, or no, no. Sure. anything like that. But our lives have had to pivot yeah, drastically yeah. in a short amount of time. And I think one of the main things we can learn about this is like the work mm-hmm. that God wants to do in these pivot, detour, yeah. transition moments. Yeah. Of Joseph didn't waste this time. Yeah. I think Joseph, not only was God present. I have a couple of important observations here that God was present. We've talked about yeah. that. But Joseph was present too. in this. Joseph isn't just kind of, we don't read about him moping around or Mm -hmm. just kind of wallowing in like this sort of self-pity of like, this is all happening to me and all that sort of stuff. The text talks about how Joseph... Was a like a skilled worker. He was responsible. Huh. He was gaining favor in the eyes of the pharaoh. Yeah. He was kind of gaining a reputation of being a hard worker. Yeah. Things like that, where he is, he's, he's engaged. He's engaged exactly. Yeah. So not only is God present, Joseph is present and engaged yeah. as well in that. And I know that's easier. That's easier for us to talk about. Yeah. It's again, we're yeah. living in the middle of it. It's yeah. it's often very hard to do. There's yeah, often, it's often
0: easier to sit on the couch and eat hot Cheetos and drink a beer yeah. <laughs> and check out. <laughs> than totally. Is to engage and be present to your spouse, your kids to God and your work and all that and like choose yeah. in
1: to, to actually choose yeah. to actually engage with God what are you doing or what do you want to do uh in this moment um I have this I don't want to have this quote here I won't read the whole thing here but I think it kind of points out it sums up what I'm saying here on uh 7.13 the s- second part where Joseph is present it says yeah. Joseph is present on his own detour he's diligent in Potiphar's household he applies himself to even though his heart is obviously aching for home. Yeah. You know, I, I, I resonate with that. Like there's yeah. this ache for like yeah. what we had four months yeah. ago or four weeks ago yeah. kind of thing, you yeah. know?
0: And, and so it's not a denial. Yeah. It's not a pretending like, Oh, it's all fine. Exactly. It's a sort of owning that, but also still a choosing in.
1: So, yeah. There's still like a, a, a cognitive, I don't know if cognitive is the right word, but there's still a choice yeah. that we have to make that, you know, I'm not just going to let this consume me. Yeah. You know, he goes on to say the author is, a guy named by Jeff Mannion says, "I can imagine the temptation across his arms, Joseph's arms, as he is led through the gates of Potiphar's estate. I'm not your stinking slave. I'm the favored son of a wealthy, you know, nomad in Canaan. I'm just gonna. I'm not gonna do anything here. I don't belong here. But this is not what occurs in the narrative. Hmm. Joseph serves Potiphar and works hard. And this is powerful because in our detours, we can be tempted to zone out, numb out, and check out when we are somewhere we don't want to be." locked in and getting to work is not always easy. Yeah. You know, I, th- I totally resonate with that. Yeah. And I think there's this beautiful invitation as we see the Joseph narrative. Okay. Yeah. Here is a moment in Joseph's life. That's unexpected, yeah. a dramatic, chaotic, a chaotic, yeah. you know, and it's not his, his fault, so to speak. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, the arrogance play a little bit into sure, that, Sure, sure, but-, but
0: you know, you, he didn't deserve to get thrown exactly in a pit and sold in the slavery totally. because he was a little arrogant as a young boy. Yeah, who wasn't as a young boy? To- exactly right. right.
1: I think the text even says he was seventeen. Yeah, I mean, like he's a late teenager. Yeah. I mean, you got to give him a break. Yeah,
0: he's got a lot of testosterone. <laughs> yeah, totally, yeah. exactly.
1: <laughs> and to just see, okay, like what God does not only in His life but through His life, yeah. And how that moment of this moment that Joseph's facing was not wasted. Yeah, and it ends up bringing about the healing and saving of joseph's family, family. of his brothers yeah. and as the story and progresses, egypt. and egypt and then yeah. the, the nation so you have this yeah. beautiful figure yeah. yeah i mean this is a beautiful sort of foreshadowing of the work of jesus where jesus is mm-hmm. you know uh kind of on parallel with this joseph narrative in so yeah. many ways where he is kind of thrown into a pit so to speak yeah. but he comes out the other side yeah. to bring healing and saving for not only his own family but for the all of the world. And that's what exactly what Joseph is doing, at least the known world um, in this story. And again, just to remember, Joseph's the first character to experience and to have said to have experienced the steadfast Mm. love of God, the first character to be empowered by the spirit of God. And he's constantly being empowered by God's presence. And it's, I just, I, that might seem like a simple observation, but just to remember that that is being described in the moment of brokenness and chaos in Joseph's life. And I wonder for us, like how much of the invitation of God is, I want you church to experience more of my spirit, more of my presence and to know, not just on a like cognitive theological level, but to know my steadfast love in these moments. And I think there is a a beautiful spot there for us to step Mm. into that, you know, as his people. And, you know, as the story goes on, you know, you have the whole scene Joseph's brothers come. Yeah, he kind of Joseph kind of hides his yeah, you know, yeah. identity at least sure, in the sure. first round. He's trying to figure out what's going yeah, on. Yeah, he's trying bit, to figure yeah. out like how have have they been transformed? Yeah, have the brothers yeah. learned a little bit? Those are the ones who sold them into slavery. Exactly, they're yeah. the ones that have done that. So there's a well, I'm not going to get into all the details of that part yeah. of the story, but what I love by the end of the story is that there's this beautiful moment of I guess you can call it reconciliation yeah. of, of reunion, coming reunion yeah. of coming back together where. Even after Jacob, the father dies, the brothers are terrified Mm. that Joseph is going to now, you know, get his moment of revenge now that Jacob's out of the picture and they're all afraid. And Joseph has a beautiful moment in Genesis 45 where Mm. he says, you know, do not fear like you sold me into slavery, but that that was for the saving of many lives. And then the the very famous line is Genesis 50 verse 20, basically at the end of the book of Genesis. Where Joseph is interacting with his brothers and he says, as for you, yeah. you meant evil against me, yeah. right? There's no ignoring it. Yeah. There's no brushing you like, the side. You meant evil against me. This is Genesis 50 verse 20. But God meant it for good. Yeah. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive or to be saved as they are today. Yeah. And I, I find this interesting not only in relationship with the Joseph story, and I think we'll, we'll end here, but also as the end of the book of Genesis. Yeah. Um, because what we see here is not only is this Genesis 50 verse 20 a summary of what has happened in the Joseph yeah. narrative. Humans yeah. do but the evil, whole book. but the whole book, exactly. Yeah. Good and evil. I mean, if there's ever a hyperlink or an illusion yeah. in, in the book of Genesis, good and evil is it. Yeah. Go all the way back to Genesis 3, right? Yeah. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. And what you see from Genesis 3 forward is humans redefining good and evil yeah. or choosing evil at the expense of trusting God and his good, yeah, yeah. good plan. And humans constantly are doing evil or raw is the Hebrew word there. But God is constantly showing his goodness. Mm. And as for you, humans, we often mean evil. We often contribute to the chaos of this world. But God's the faithful one. God's going to bring about good. He's going to bring
0: about good even though there is chaos, even even though there is evil, even though there's repeating patterns in the life of Abraham and the life of Isaac right well we see this repeat and repeat and this downward spiral god is faithful and bringing good out of it
1: out of it totally yeah and this all you know i mean paul had to have had this verse on the brain when he's writing romans eight twenty-eight, right yeah. you know god works all things together for good yeah and so there's this beautiful beautiful promise to hold on mm. to god's goodness god's faithfulness in the midst of the the dumb choices we often make yeah. and just the chaos of of a broken world yeah um You know, so I love it. It's an awesome story. That's awesome. Cool.
0: I think we maybe just wrestle with that story, sort of pick up like, I don't know, whatever people as they're listening, like what resonated with them, but also resonating or stepping into like in this detour, what is the transformative work God is wanting to do? Uh, How is the spirit present to you? How is the Hesed or steadfast love of God with you? And how is he, even in the midst of this, taking something that is not good, Yeah. COVID-19 is not good. Yeah. And bringing good out of it in us, Uh, maybe we'll talk about that. Yeah, sounds good. All righty. All right. Thanks.